TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. Welcome to the Bike Nerds Podcast. This is episode 78. Do you have a bike-related project coming up? Sarah Sparking can help with that. Their expertise can be found in their in-house support for your biking, parking, and infrastructure projects. Sarah has lead credentialed professionals on staff that can assist with your green building projects and their design specialists. They are able to create three-dimensional layouts of any space to ensure your area has the right products with the right spacing and clearances, whether you're parking five or 500 bikes. To get more information on these services and how they can help you with your next project, visit sarahsparking.com slash bike nerds. Again, that's sarahsparking.com slash bike nerds. And as always, thanks to Sarah Cycling Group for being our wonderful and generous sponsor of the Bike Nerds podcast. Surprise! It's just Sarah this week. Kyle Wagenschutz is in Spain. He tells me he's working, but I'm not convinced. So you just got me coming to you from Memphis. I will keep this monologue shorter, even though I think people really enjoyed Kyle's monologue when he did a solo intro. We have taken a week off due to scheduling. We have actually heard from some other Bike Nerds guests about checking in that we are still alive. So while I can confirm via this podcast that I am alive. I can also speak for Kyle that I think he is alive and living his life in Spain temporarily and will be returning to Colorado shortly. This week, Kyle and I had the pleasure of talking to Diana Ward, who is the executive director of Charlotte B-Cycle in Charlotte, North Carolina. Diana is also the incoming president of the North American Bike Share Association. Diana had great insight not only on what it means to run a bike share system in a mid-sized city, but also insight on NAPSA and the future of bike share. And Kyle and I had a really wonderful conversation with her. Diana and I go way back to when bike share was just a glimmer in Memphis's eye, and she has been a great resource. So I hope everyone enjoys this podcast and thanks for listening to me chatter into the internet. Diana Ward, welcome to the Bike Nerds podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us from Charlotte, North Carolina. I assume that's where you are. That's an assumption. I I am here in Charlotte (laughs) today. I travel a good bit, so that isn't always a guarantee, but yeah. Yeah, I knew that. Well, it's great. Thank you so much for joining us. You may or may not know, but this um, podcast theme, Kyle and I do themes this year on our podcast, and this theme is Bike Share, so I've had a ton of fun bringing all my Bike Share friends on to join, so I look forward to talking about B-Cycle and Charlotte um, and your Bike Share system there in North Carolina. But well, we are happy to uh, share whatever. Inf- I'm happy to share whatever information that um, that I can share with you. Awesome. So, did I see you in Montreal conferences? Are always such a blur. I can't remember who I saw or not. Uh, yes. So I'm I'm actually the incoming president of 
the NAPSA board. So um, I was vice president last year, so I, I have to attend all of those meetings. <laughs> so yes, you did see me probably in a flash uh, in Montreal. So how long has NAPSA now been around? I actually did not realize that you were the um, incoming president. So congratulations. Uh, thank you. Well, it hasn't been announced yet. Uh, I believe our PR firm will be working on getting those announcements out. Uh, but uh, basically, NAPSA started, um, I want to say, September of 2014. A number of us got together in Denver, Colorado, and it represented all of the cities that were around at the time, cities that were in the process of launching, and uh, cities who were considering bike share. And we got together to talk about the fact that, um, because of the fact we knew that bike share was going to uh, grow, we needed a um, professional organization representing us. And we felt like we were um, being executive directors of various uh, programs. We felt like we were the best group of people to form that organization. And so we, we started off with a working board um, for, we, we started off with a working board in our first meeting um, in Pittsburgh in 2014. And we have since progressed to the point where we had a fabulous conference in Montreal with all of the new and old players, um, probably over 100 cities, and um, and we have an executive director. So uh, we actually have somebody whose day-to-day job it is to make sure that um, we are telling the story of bike share uh, nationally. That's great. I know that I've always, so I think around the time Memphis started our exploration around bike share, I think NAPS had probably been around for six months to a year. And I continue to find it so helpful in terms of resources and the fantastic members as well are always willing to pick the phone, pick up the phone or respond to an email. Yeah, I definitely think that if you are considering bike share, if you're already a bike share operator, um, NABSA is a worthwhile investment. It's um, it really doesn't cost that much to join when you know in the grand scheme of things, considering the information that you have access to. Um, there are people out there who have money to do studies. Well, as a smaller city, I don't necessarily have access to those types of funds. So I can find like cities with deeper pockets doing some of the research that I am interested in, and have access to that without having to go through the process of doing that research myself. So I, there, there are uh, numerous benefits uh, for organizations who are interested in uh, starting bike share, joining NABSA. Have you seen NABSA membership kind of change and evolve as the bike share industry is? So in 2014, most of the bike share systems in the U.S. were very much station-based and dock-based. And as you know, we saw smart bikes and now sort of more dockless forward systems launching. Is, is NAPSA reflecting that, that industry trend? You know, I am going to use every opportunity I can not to, not to correct you, but I do want to take us back down bike share memory lane to, you know, 2011. Uh, Sobe launched a, a purely dockless bike that operates the exact same way that the bikes that are out there today are operating. So what I what I've what I've seen is um, the industry started off with um, all of the same types of bike share that we see today. I know your question was have you seen the 
seen the uh, the the uh, growth of NAPSA alongside the changes in bike share. Uh, but I, I think that the point I want to make is we have seen our bike share, uh, our, our membership. So, Diana, so you sort of just described, you know, NAPSA hasn't been around for very long. Uh that there's been really rapid change in the landscape of bike share, you know, in the last four to five years. Why do you think it's important that an organization like NABSA exists um, in the grand scheme of sort of bike sharing in the U.S. or North America, if I should say? Well, I think that it's uh, it it is it's important for an organization for NABSA to exist because we're kind of a clearinghouse for information. Um, the way that I know all of the people, the way I know you, Sarah, the way that I know um, all of the folks that I know in Bike Share, Steve Hoyt Macbeth from Portland, Sean Woodell from Chicago, Bill from Minneapolis, the way that I know all of these people was through us forming NABSA. Now take the person from a city that hasn't been involved in the conversation and they need information. There's nowhere to go. And what happened in the past, and quite frankly, it was overwhelming because bike share did ramp up so quickly, was people would pick up the phone and say, hi, I'm so-and-so from such-and-such a city and I'm interested in learning more about bike share. And I'm responsible for running bike share in Charlotte and I'd have to stop. Um, Oftentimes they'd want data, they'd want to come on a site visit, you know, now we have NAPSA. I can say, have you heard about NAPSA? Go to the website, connect. Our executive director will be in contact with you and let you know what resources we have to support you in advancing your bike share program. Do you know, I mean, I, I don't, my knowledge is pretty limited, but are are there other similar associations for other sort of emerging transportation technologies and modes throughout the country? You know, for instance, is there... Is does the autonomous vehicle group have their own association? I, I, I'm just sort of curious to know, like how unique NABSA is in the the transportation landscape, if you know. Oh, I think that NABSA is at the forefront of conversation on bike share. I think that there are a lot of people who have who dealt who who um, dabbled in bike share from an intellectual standpoint prior to NABSA being on the scene. I also think that there are organizations that um, are very heavily, uh, have very heavy interest in the mode share, so car sharing, uh, autonomous vehicles. Um, And as a matter of fact, our meeting in Chicago, we partnered with um, an organization to, uh, for our conference. And so in the dialogue about bike share, um, we had that conversation alongside the conversation about ride share. So ride scout and some of the other organizations um, we had, uh, I believe uh, Ford motor company came and presented. Uh, we had a number of people, uh, but as far as organizations that are specifically um, working on, on to- autonomous vehicles and the share shared systems, shared automobile systems. Um, I'm really not the person to answer that. I don't know what organizations specifically have that on their radar. I think there are a lot of more research types of organizations that are taking on uh, the dialogue like they did with bike share, um, where it was a little more intellectual until, you know, we have all this data. We don't, we don't necessarily we have data that we can fill the void with now. We don't have to do all of these studies, hypothetical studies. 
so I'm, I'm not sure what organization um, that, uh, you know, I, and I can't even remember the name of the organization <laughs> that we partnered with in Chicago. I apologize. Um, who knows? Shared Sarah, mobi- you yeah, it was, it was the shared, shared mobility. mobility. Yeah. But that was yes. really, I found that to be really helpful because, you know, I think we're all having conversations around shared mobility in our cities and bike share is a part of that tool. So we'll be able to connect to sort of the other, you know, technology, you know, players in that toolbox was was really valuable. That really was a very content rich um, meeting. And if you notice during our our, our um, conference this year, uh, remember our keynote speaker on Thursday or Friday, Thursday was actually from Green Car. I believe the alternative mm-hmm. uh, cab service in Montreal. So I do think that the dialogue, um, the challenges are similar. Uh, we're all trying to solve a problem for the same um, population, I would say. Um, and so it's important that we continue to um, have opportunities to have parallel conversation. But as far as organizations that are taking that on and um, and championing um, uh, car share. I don't know who those folks are. <laughs> Probably Shared Mobility Lab in Chicago. How did you get into bike share, Diana? How, are you a, are you a lifelong bicycle advocate that fell into it, or was there another path for you? You know, I um I'm gonna. So you said that I can go sideways. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take that 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 opportunity to do that. So my um, you, I know you guys are both, you know, you have some Memphis, maybe not roots, but at least have lived in Tennessee, uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Um, my roots are in Memphis, Tennessee. And I think I'm going to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about my parents. Um, my parents grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. My mom actually was one of the Memphis State Eight. Uh, they integrated, um, she, she was one of the eight students to integrate Memphis State back in 1959. Um, she ended up meeting my dad who was working on a bachelor's in math. He was finishing up his degree. Uh, she ended up leaving. They went to New Mexico um, and my father uh, moving away from where he was. He was very poor, so he didn't have a car. He depended on bus and walking as a kid, as a college student. So he gets to New Mexico, um, probably uh, for the first time meeting, um, I would say, probably a bunch of hippies. <laughs> uh, when he got to Texas, my dad had a bike. He was a bike commuter. Uh, he rode his bike every day to work um, in El Paso. The weather was so um temperate that he could ride year round. He had kid seat, a kid seat on the back. Um, I'm 49. So this is taking, I'm taking you way back uh, to the late sixties, early seventies. Um, he took us everywhere on that bike. We would go catch tadpoles. He would take us slurpees. I remember the time that I got home, I had stuff. I almost used a four letter word all over my shirt and my <laughs> sisters and brothers were like screaming because they could tell that he had bought me a treat. And, um, you know, I was like, my father was trying to tell them that I had, he hadn't gotten me anything special. And I lied. Uh, he lied and I told the truth. And so he's like, yeah, that was the last time we were ever doing that. But anyway, um, 
I think that my father and I were extremely close. I, he was a math major. I'm, on a, I'm a math major. When we got to, we moved to Kansas. He worked at Fort Leavenworth. He would drive part way. Then he'd ride his moped the other part, part of the way. Um, and I believe that I've just had a lifelong love of cycling, not as a racer or anything like that, but my introduction to cycling has been as a mode of transportation. So I think that when I talk to folks, especially since, you know, I would say that I'm on the fuller figured side, you know, I get a lot of people looking at me sideways and I look at them. I'm like, you've been riding a bike for four years. I've been riding my entire life as a way to get around. And so um, the way that I got into bike share was I was a bike commuter before it was popular in Charlotte. There were probably four or five of us doing it. Um, we knew each other. We were parking at some of the same bike racks in the morning. And I passed the head of the downtown association almost every day on the way into the bank. Because I'm going to apply to my petition. I was the banker. I forgot to tell you that. I was a banker. And I would. Um, the joy in my life was riding my bike into work. And so I'd wave to him. I owned a tour company. So I, I own um, Segway tours uh, in four cities. And so they knew that. And so i started partnering with the downtown association on events. So they got to know me. And one day they said, Hey, we're bringing this actual, let me back up. I went to Paris, saw bike share, came back, had an art. I met with an architect, drew myself a little picture of bike share and said, I want to build this and put it at the corner of trade and Tryon. Charlotte center city partners, the downtown association. Uh, once, you know, between the fact that I own this tour company was doing well with that um, came to me, said, hey, you have a decent personality. Um, you know how to run a business. Um, hey, we'd like for you to run this program for us. And that's from its inception. Um, I remember going to the first meeting with the transportation department here in town. And um, uh, I guess, what is it? The transportation committee, um, the two city council people uh, that are responsible for, for that uh, for that subcommittee and uh, listening to Allison Cohen present on capital bike share. And from then it was, Hey, we need to make this happen. So I was involved in looking at all of the different systems, what people had to offer. And we selected the one that we thought at the time would be the best fit for Charlotte. I hope I answered your question because I went real sideways. No, you, that was great. No. And, and what a great, Memphis legacy to sort of, you know, um, come out of. I love, I love that story. Yeah. September 18th is Memphis state eight day. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am a graduate of the university of Memphis. So hmm, there's that. Yeah. And can I plug my mother one more time? Yeah, you know, do. I know please that's do. not about her. She was actually a couple of years ago. Um, the women's studies department contacted me, said that they were honoring one woman for each year of Memphis's uh, 100 years, and she was selected. So it was kind of, yeah, she's Sammy Burnett. She was, she was kind of really awesome. Wow, that's and fantastic. about my parents, as you know, I, okay, so people can't see me, but I'm an African-American female, and um, I would say that I, I think that people do look at me a lot and say, what did you say you do? Um, my parents were the most awesome advocates for whatever their kids were interested in. And so that's why I just wanted to, my parents were awesome. They encouraged me. If I said I wanted to ride bikes, they'd get me a bike. <laughs> 
was cool. Well, I think it's, I think you're an obvious testament to your parents' kind of support and passion for your passions because your resume has always been so fascinating to me with a segue to a company and applied mathematician like makes my head hurt even just saying it out loud. And now the ED of bike share in Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, it is. That is that is a uh, <laughs> that is a um, hodgepodge of it, it's the reinvention. And you know what you don't have in there is I was actually I worked in glass research. So um, See? I mean, come on. Yeah, reinventing <laughs> it was the, it's the reinvention of Diana. It's kind of the bicycle Pygmalion. So, Diana, when you were in Paris, so Charlotte, let me go back. Charlotte has had bike share for around five years. Is that correct? For exactly five years. We are That's five great. years old. July 12th of this of this year. So Paris, I think, has been interesting because it's come up a lot. I think with anyone that we've talked um, to that's kind of launched a program around the same time, Charlotte and, you know, Denver and New York City. But all of these cities look really different. So what did you see in Paris that you thought you could take back and, and replicate or innovate in Charlotte? Well, I remember share? being over by um, what is the big uh, modern um modern museum oh gosh um with the water fountain and the i want to say the whole dada you know with the lips that move and, and you know what i'm talking about right gosh why can't i remember the name of that museum anyway it uh, um, it's like the cent- i don't i don't know french well enough it's center yeah uh, anyway yeah it's the, it's, <laughs> it's the modern, something it's the, yeah the modern museum there Anyway, um, there's a big seating area, and then there was this, like, ginormous bike rack, and I'd never seen – well, during that same trip, I went to Amsterdam, so I saw the big parking lot, the one where it's like you rub your eyes to make sure that – and since, you know, I don't smoke that stuff, I knew that I was sober. (laughs) I walked off, saw this big um, uh, parking garage – in the same trip that I saw the bike share station and I was like, I've got to be involved in this. So there really wasn't just one thing. It really was, Hey, as part of my company, I know that it would be a lot cheaper for me to be able to have sort of some sort of bike vending. And when I presented that to our downtown association contact for the area where I opened my business, she took, she introduced me to, um, Allison, Billings, who was the transportation person for Center City Partners, and we became friends. And then um, everything, you know, from there it was, hey, uh, I'm like, I'm on board. I want to be a part of this. So do you find that your riderships are more tourists or residents of Charlotte? I think that we have a combination of folks, even our 24 hour memberships that we have. I think a lot of those are residents of Charlotte trying it out or exploring with with uh, friends or relatives. I remember five years ago, launching a bike share system felt like a, a daunting feat in any city. And I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, at that time, bike share is still relatively new here in the U.S. There weren't that many systems. The ones that had been launched hadn't yet been deemed successful. Um, in in many people's eyes, I'm curious to know, like, what what did it take to convince people in Charlotte that launching a bike share system was was the right move at that moment in time for Charlotte to do? Oh my gosh, I love telling this story. So I told you about that transportation committee, right? So 2011, um, I'm sitting in the transportation subcommittee meeting with 
uh, David Howard and Edwin Peacock. David's a Democrat. Edwin Peacock's a Republican, both city council people. Um, Allison Cohen came to present on bike share uh, on behalf of Alta. And, and uh, Edwin Peacock, the Republican, gave this awesome story about being able to utilize a bike in D.C. to get to his, parent, his mom's house. And David Howard uh, told his story of how he had used it in Copenhagen or somewhere, um, but somewhere overseas. And it was like kumbaya. I mean, there was no question from that point. It's like, let's make this happen. And so we skipped all of the studies and everything else. The DNC was going to be in North Carolina, uh, in Charlotte, uh, in the summertime. So everybody was like, wow, this would be great to have. And there was never any dissent. Our Department of Transportation has been uh, amazing partners for, for the last five years. And um, so there was no turning back. Unlike most bike shares, Charlotte B-Cycle was the first 100% sponsored system. We got zero federal dollars. All of our money came from Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina, our title sponsor, and Carolina's healthcare system, our founding sponsor. Uh, we had a cellular sponsor, Verizon. Um, after their first uh, couple of years, they decided they didn't want to be our sponsors anymore. Uh, but we did. We still have um, the other two. As a matter of fact, both of them have signed on for an additional five years. So, there. The story. There was never. I think I got one email of somebody saying, "Come get this thing from below my window." It was before we even launched, and I was like. I'm sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> and then they stopped, you know, she, I think she called me maybe every day for a week. Uh, we launched. I said, let's just wait and see how things turn out. And then I didn't hear from her again. I think she thought it was going to bring riffraff and a lot of noise. And really what it's done is make their neighborhood more attractive, which, you know, helps with home values. Um, it definitely completes uh, a livable neighborhood walkable, cyclable neighborhood to have a bike share program. Uh, so there has never been a time. Everybody has, as, as a matter of fact, I met with all of the arts agencies and we promote cycling to the ballet, to plays. We have found a way to make bike share, integrate bike share in with all dialogue. So not making it something where it's like you go on spandex and you have to ride 50 miles. No, you can ride two bikes and in my book, cycles. Two, two blocks and in my book, cycles. So, uh, yeah, there hasn't been anything negative about bike share. We've had support. We've, we have been successful in selling stations to developers. Like we're talking upwards of probably 10 committed right now. Uh, we've sold three already that are on the ground uh, that were paid for by developers. And we have four or five uh, people consider putting them at their, at, their, at their developments because they realize that like the swimming pool, the gym, um, the, the Starbucks automatic uh, espresso maker in the lobby, people are expecting access to bike shoes. Diana, how has Bikeshare changed Charlotte in the last five years? And how do you see it changing Charlotte ongoing? 
Oh my gosh. So before I tell you a story about how I got involved, I was one of the few bike commuters. There were, of course, the bike delivery people. When we put down our first station and launched our bike share system, um, I believe I saw more people on bikes, not just bike share, more people mm-hmm. on bikes from day one than I'd ever seen. I think it gave people permission to dust off their bikes. Dana, I know you also talked about kind of the importance of bike share, having a focus on, you know, having a more diverse representation on a professional level as well as a ridership level. Um, how do you see your work with NAPSA and also as the executive director of Charlotte's Bike Share kind of helping to, to move the needle on that? Oh, my gosh. So you've been there um, for a number of years also. So you've seen um, how Bike Share uh, started off. I think that we've had a fairly decent rep, um, representation mm-hmm. of women uh, from the very beginning, but there weren't any other people of color executive directors all the way up until last year. Well, fast forward 12 months in um, in Montreal and Toronto's executive director is an African-American male. Um, there are people who are operations managers. Uh, there are... Um, if, if you, that was the most diverse crowd I've seen in um, in a cycling dialogue uh, ever in Montreal, and so I think that everybody, you know, originally it's like it's easy. We come we come from one of those. I think that people that are involved in bike share tend to be a little bit more on the compassionate side. We want to help people, so we've talked about equity and. And how we need to make sure that bike share is accessible uh, to all. But I don't think we were able to make that translate into how is it, how do we make bike share leadership represent the general public? And I think we're getting there. Um, like I said, I'm, the, I'm, I'm now the president of NABSA. I think that if you look at NABSA as a board, you have Kimberly Lucas from Cabby, from Capital Bike Share who's an African-American female. Um, You have an all-female executive committee. Um, So our vice president is Kristen Camarino Camarino from um, Fort Worth. Um, Kim Lucas is our secretary. And, um, well, we don't have – we've got one guy. We've got Adrian Papavici from from Montreal. I I think that if you had said that that was going to be the makeup of NABSA – in 2017 and the fact that people were grown up enough to feel confident that I would be able to do this job that's a that's a big step I'm also from a city with 26 stations so I know in a lot of people's minds they're thinking oh my gosh I'm from New York City how can this African Charlotte represent me well I consider myself pretty damn awesome and so that says a lot, but that was that was way out there. But I'm going to do it, and I believe that NAPS is going to have its best year yet. I'll uh, I'll support you on being pretty damn awesome, Diana. Amen. That was I, I'm being a little silly, but I mean, my, my <laughs> is that I think you know I had great support from Sean Waddell, the former president. Um, you know. I, and he's from Chicago, so of course everybody thinks, well, he's from Chicago, he's seen it all. But I had to remind people, you know, I ran organizations at a bank. I mean, big mm-hmm. organizations. And I also um, 
have my own company in multiple cities and that should uh, count for something. So everybody eventually was uh, comfortable. Um, I think that we have a lot of work to do. So uh, this is who you get. We're going to make things happen. Diane, as you look to the future of bike share, what, you know, again, it's an industry that's been reinventing itself moment after moment for the last five to 10 years. Uh, it continues to evolve. You know, we wake up one day and there's a whole new innovation in bike share. What, what kind of innovation has you the most excited for the future of bike share? Well, I think that, you know, we're, so we're not talking about the personal computer or the telephone and the innovation that's happened there. Um, we're talking about bikes. And from the first bike that probably the first real bike, the first um, commercially available bike that was, you know, sold to today, um, there's been some tinkering with gearing and other things, but it's still just a bike. With respect to what I see for the future, I know that these dockless bike share companies have docked, have dropped um, bikes uh, all around the world, really. Um, I suspect uh, none of them are making money right now. Um, so I suspect that just like we did from the beginning when Sobe launched their dockless bike, I suspect that the business model is going to be that we have to provide uh, uh, a better bike. This whole whole idea of just trashing a bike that you had to ship all the way from China. That model may work in a place where you made the bike in China, but once you put it on that boat and ship it over and add the shipping costs and things like that, you can't have this 100% disposable um, business model and, 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 and say that that's going to be um, uh, profitable. So I suspect that we're going to see innovations in uh, I'm not going to call it innovation. I suspect that some of these companies are going to be moving more towards the Sobe model, which is the bike corral. Um, and that what we see today, or even adding, um, we're going to see probably more, um, maybe just uh, bike racks all over the place, making it neater. And this whole idea of a bike that just locks the back tire and doesn't lock to anything, I don't think that's going to, um, to, 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 to be the future. I think that this is Gen 1 of what they're doing. I think they're going to have to work on the next generation. Um, when you look at some of the literature, I went out you know, just kind of digging or fishing around on the internet and was able to identify the providers of that information. And they sent me all, all the documentation. A lot of the um, reliability of that equipment, I mean, the lock, it says this lock will work. I believe if I, I so this isn't fact. I, I think I remember the lock saying that it should work 100 times. 100 times. And then what? You yeah, take it off yeah. and put on another lock? I have my same 200 bikes that I started with. I mean, this whole like disposable economy that does not work when you have to add in costs. And then once you get it in from China, you have to get it to Charlotte and you're just going to dispose of the bike. I don't see that business model working very well and not for a dollar a ride. So I think that all of us are going to look differently, but they're still just bikes. Um, I think that all of the innovation has happened and people are just going to be morphing towards um, what we already see and it'll be cheaper 
because there are more providers. Um, and that's, that's my vision. And I think that in cities where people adopt bikes and they get the infrastructure, I mean, at some point, who knows? I mean, are those cities going to still need or want bike share? So to that point, to, to interrupt, do you see there's a potential part where maybe bike share stops expanding because bike share and bike infrastructure have worked together where people are have access to personal personal bikes? Um, well, I think that people ride bike share for a number of reasons. Like, I don't ever leave my bikes outside anymore. Like, if I come uptown and we ride up on our bikes, I'll put them in my office. And, you know, everybody has that luxury of doing that. Uh, I think there are people who ride bike share because they don't have to worry about the bike being outside, getting stolen or something. So I, I think that um, that at some point bikes are going to be, and I don't know when that is, it took forever, you know, it, it took a fuel crisis and other things, uh, fuel accessibility for places like Amsterdam to become the cities that they are. That didn't just happen overnight. Um, but they don't have bike share. They just have everybody owning their own bikes. Um, I suspect the more cities, and I won't necessarily say Charlotte because I don't know if we'll ever get there to that point, but those cities that grow closer and closer to an Amsterdam, I think will find themselves less and less needing a bike share program because the infrastructure will be there. Uh, people will get their $20 bike and and ride it and lock it up with their, you know, you lock and pray that it's there when they're out. And it'll, it'll be more like some of the European cities where they do not mm-hmm. have a share. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Oh, go on. Sorry. You know, there was one thing I believe. Was it, was it next bike or B week? And you have to fact check that one, but you know, just as an example, I believe one of them had dockless bike share recently and they've gone from dockless bike share to a corral system. So I think that right now, the general public, because of the dock systems, uh, the general public is now aware of bike share, and now everybody's interested in the dialogue, unlike they were uh, six years ago. Uh, I suspect that loose bikes all over the place, um, some cities are going to be like, we don't care, this is awesome, this is an extension of our transportation system, and we're loving it. And then there are going to be cities where it's like, this does not fit in with the fabric of our city and it needs to be fixed. And I think that people will adapt. Yeah. And I do think it continues for me that, you know, bike share has never been a one size fits all. And I think cities will, you know, decide, you know, what business model and what product is right for, for their cities and, and, and adapt to that as well. You know, I went to a tiny town called Salisbury, and I know somebody will hear me say that and be like, you know, that's kind of a suburb of Charlotte. Why are you calling us a tiny town? Well, to me, it's a (laughs) tiny town, and I've lived in enough tiny towns, and I'm going to call it a tiny town. Um, And Eric Phillips that owns um, Skinny Wheels Bike Shop uh, had approached me about getting bike share in Salisbury, and I was like, oh, you know, knowing what I know about operations expenses, I was like, eh, that's not going to work. But do you know what? He found a city like size and that has um, a bike library and their businesses, um, I believe at no cost to the system that um, provide 
keys or whatever access to these bikes at maybe 10 or 11 locations in this little small town and it's a bike library and you know um, Minneapolis has a bike library and they put one up in Bemidji Um, they put a bike library up in Bemidji and a university um, in addition to their dock station and they're even looking at um, I believe they have an RFP out now to add a dockless system to their docked system. So I think that um, we're going to see a lot thrown at us, and then we're going to come to some sort of steady state. I agree. I think it's a fascinating time to watch. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Bike Nerds podcast. It was great to catch up. I always enjoy our conversation, so I really appreciate you taking time out of your day. Absolutely. And when I'm in Memphis next, I'll let you know. Please do. The Bike Nerds podcast is a joint production of the Bike Nerds, Sarah and Kyle, and the OAM Network based in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, visit theoamnetwork.com slash thebikenerds. Want to nerd out more? Find us on the web at thebikenerdspodcast.com, on Twitter at thebikenerds, and on Facebook, The Bike Nerds Podcast. Drop us a note or recommend another bike nerd to have on the show by sending us an email at thebikenerdspodcast at gmail.com.